Welcome to oh, to a new episode of Watch Yourself with Jay and MJ. Is this what I sound like? I, I think I was. I was like, oh, this is coming in pretty um, clear. I don't know. Not like it's not clear usually. I'm Jay. I'm MJ. Um, no, it's not. It's just like it's just like whoa. You weren't talking right into the mic before, so you were like, I think that side, is. I think you like came back in. I think I, I think I surprised myself. You know. Yeah. So, hey everybody, how's it going? Good. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, last night I had to go to bed early. I had a, I definitely had a wine test tasting headache. I I usually don't get I came off the buzz right before because I stayed up to watch the last couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But like I crashed, but I got like the worst like spins. I think it was that sangria. All the sugar. It was the second sangria. I think that's definitely what it was. I think I would have found if I didn't have that. I think it was the back road driving while I was drinking it too. Yeah, that too. It was just like like the the car sickiness. I, I don't get car sick, but there were a couple of times where I was like, I should focus on the tree line. <laughs> well, so I was sitting there and I was like, we were doing this, and like there's a couple of times like I don't know if you noticed, I turned my face towards the window. I was burping. I was like, oh no, and I was like. Um, full context, Oops. co-text. Um, <laughs> we uh, went to Huber's Ridery yesterday and did some wine tasting, a cute little tour, bought some peaches. It was a um, lot of fun. Yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a good day. Yeah, it, it, it was a perfect weather day. Yes. Like where you can eat outside, but the flies aren't bothering you. Like mm-hmm. really, really beautiful day. And then we, you know, spent a few hours drinking and that's always fun. So yeah, cool. Um, yes, on the docket today, we're going to talk about... Woodstock 99. Train wreck. Um, or yes, train wreck, Woodstock 99. And we're just going to discuss the first episode of Celebrity RuPaul's, Celebrity, RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race. The names he comes up with, like his marketing team episode, is working hard. Episode one. Um, and then today we are going to be reviewing um, Apple TV Plus original Blackbird. So let's start with, we can start with train wreck. And I haven't really... I know this is on Netflix. I haven't mm-hmm. watched the, and I, I feel like there's a Hulu one out there as well that came out previously. Oh, if, I'm, if I, I could be incorrect. No, I want to go look. I don't know. Um, and I didn't watch all of this. I watched pieces, and it's just something that's been popping up like crazy because to me, I feel like this is something that I w- I should have heard of because in '99 I was in high school, uh-huh. and I was the age of a lot of some of these people, and I'm like, how did I not know about this? But then when I when I watched I watched episode one of this three episode thing, and I saw how many black people that I didn't see, and I was like, no wonder I didn't know what this was. The only black person there was Ananda Lewis from MTV. She was it. Um. So first off, it was definitely heavily white cis bro culture. Yeah, and I think and, and for those of you who don't who don't you might not know what this is at all. Like it. Woodstock obviously was was in, was in nineteen sixty nine, mm-hmm. and it was very much in the vein of like during the time of like the Vietnam War and protesting you know, it, protesting it, and this was basically just like, hey, um, in, in, in my opinion, this is my interpretation of what I think it was. It's like, hey, we have a lot more things in common than we have different. Yep. Let's you know come together, show some peace, show some love. Let's just have a good time with each other, and let's forget all that's outside. Remember that you can make change, and that we're all in this together, kind of thing. And to not as a mocking, but very much peace and love. 100%. Uh, first off, I didn't realize it was actually organized by one man, like really organized back in 69. I didn't know that either because when they, when they shot the shot of him, I was like, who's that rando? And they were like, he organized. I'm like, he looks like he's eight. <laughs> yes. Um, he said, he said, who's that stage over there that he jumped on his big wheel and, and rode away? <laughs> oh my God, I love a big wheel. Do you remember big wheels? I do. Did you have big a big wheel? wheel? No, I had the little red car with the yellow hood. And oh, then you, I, oh, you had the little tikes. Yes, and then I had the. Then I went like right to a bike. Like I went like straight to a bike. You never had a big wheel. I don't think so. Big wheels were fun, dude. I loved a big wheel. I had a couple scooters. Scooters. The little like, like before they were electric, where you had to like actually pedal yourself. Um, big wheel was the ultimate. Like you, you graduate from a big wheel to like a tricycle. Mm-hmm. I would have had a big wheel all day, every day. I had the little tikes. I had the car. <sighs> you had a flood for the stone. You should do that. <laughs> uh but no so yeah i i didn't realize it was organized by one person that was mm-hmm. kind of shocking yeah me too but with 1969's woodstock the very first one mm-hmm. like you said it was in protest it was against the war it was it was wanting to have people come together mm-hmm. is how i feel and the music of the day I'm, I'm, that's what i'm gonna harp on was very peace oriented yeah it, it, it was very like the beatles 
Jimi Hendrix. It was very like calming and like mm-hmm. mood. And I'm sure there's psychedelics out the ass yeah. at 69. And everybody was just kind of like in a peace and love and like harmony and and be free, man. Do what you want. It's not yeah. a problem. Like if you want to come around here and be butt naked, fine. Be butt naked. If you want to go off in the woods and dance like a fairy, dance like a fairy. It's whatever you want. I'd be dancing like a fairy. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, wear the costume. I'm stuck in a wand. <laughs> uh, but going into uh, Woodstock 99, A, it's 30 years. So it's it's been a while. Well, actually, they tried it in 94. Okay. I was, I was, which I didn't know either. I was going to ask you about that because I didn't either. When me and Emily watched this, she talked about it on her Instagram feed. And one of the people she works with said, my parents went to Woodstock 94, so they let me go to the one in 99 because they thought it was fun. Mm, yeah, 94 was like, was was well, it was deemed a shit show because it didn't make any money. Yeah. Um, that was what they, that, that was what they deemed it. That, that was the reason why they said it was a failure. But they claim in the, in the um, documentary for 99 that it's not because of money. We're not doing this to raise money. Yes, we want to raise money, but that's not the main point. Yeah, I, I think that was what um, the guy who made the one in 69 helped with the one in, in 94 and 99. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the main point of it was I think he put his – I think the main point is that he put his trust in someone who was who was who could market it and do well. And I think he was really just kind of relying on – I forgot his name um, – relying on, on the man who did all the marketing and stuff like okay. that to really do everything. And I think that's where this got like out of hand. Yeah, but yeah, it was supposed to be because this this came out after like it, it came out around the Columbine, you know, shooting right and stuff after. like that. Mm-hmm. So it was really kind of I, I think for me, like I watched one episode and I was like, they talked about the Columbine shooting once, and it didn't feel like that was the message that they portrayed to the people who were coming out. Like they didn't portray this message of like, hey, here's what's going on. This kind of shit's happening in our world today, and we just want to come together and just like we did thirty years ago and show. How much we have in common, how much peace and love we can we can push into the world. And I don't think that message was even at all vaguely clear. You need to watch the third episode. Yeah, yeah. that's where I I don't want to ruin it for you because you haven't okay. watched it. But like that's where they kind of like, oh, we were gonna save like the big peace togetherness feeling for the end of the show. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're, I think I think when this when I watched it, my my thought were I think it started to go downhill. When you saw the lineup of the acts that, that they put in there, not to say these were bad acts, they were top tier at the time. But like, so some of the acts were Corn, Lent Biscuit, Kid Rock, um, Rage Willie, Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine, Willie Nelson. Um, who was the opening act? I can't remember his name. James Brown. Thank you, James Brown. Um, and 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 not necessarily James Brown, you guys. Like James Brown was. I mean, I think I was like, oh, okay, I get this. This is kind of like a harken back, yeah, yeah, yeah. to like a younger, to like a, to like a, you know, a, a previous time. I like the idea of that. They had Cheryl Crow. Uh huh. I was about to say Cheryl, which, and then Jewel was one later. You'll see in episode two. You probably if you didn't mm, see the full episode, Jewel was there. Jewel, and, and so those those three to me are ones where I would be like, okay, I get that. Yeah, that makes sense. Not necessarily somber music, but more of like you know. Kind of hip, kind of cool, kind of a little bit more like mm-hmm. Jules, a little bit more, you know, in, in that era, uh, a little less poppy, but more of like folksy. Yeah. Um, Cheryl Crow's kind of in the middle of that pop, folky kind Bush of. Bush was after corn. Bush, and Bush is still to me, um, like, I think that's more of like, a, that, that's like a, they're soft like a rock. rock. I don't want to say soft. I would say rock. I would say they're okay. rock. And then I would say that like Limp Biscuit is more of like, hard rock slash rap yeah and then i would say corn is more alternative okay in my opinion well and then that's where so going into like the last day i think you saw blink 182 or no no sorry red hot chili peppers that's the one oh yeah they were there um but that's in the third episode which Mm. you haven't seen yet uh this won't ruin anything because it's on the screen for multiple scenes flea the bassist played completely naked so he's oh. just up on stage flipping all around, just literally just woo and yeah. balls, everything just just bouncing. Yeah. And I think where this where this um where this train wreck really to come in, you guys, is just like I think that they um I think that they really kind of discuss it in, in the first episode as well, is is they say it, it's really the energy of the people that that were out there. And I yeah. think what happens is when you have people out there doing drugs, doing their thing, drinking, doing whatever, I think you have to think about the, the atmosphere you create for them. And when you put a band 
when you look at the people who are out there and you put a band like Korn, who's, who I love some of Korn's music, mm-hmm. um, like that, and you realize and you see like the way this music is, you know, kind of switching something in, every, in, in, in most of the people who are out there. It's like you're creating this, you, you create this atmosphere by using this band. Yeah. And that to me is kind of like, that's the weird part about it. It's like if you if you really try to do peace and love, I'm not saying peace and love equals slow music. Yeah. I just think it it, it equals music that is it, you know, that is it staked in anger or angst. Well, and that's that's kind of what I was talking about when I said earlier that in sixty nine the music was completely different. Like when you look at this, when you look at one of the acts came out and I think it was um I think it was Limp Biscuit. Where they came out and they were pissed off that like Backstreet Boys or NSYNC were getting all this big play on MTV and they were mm. like, we need to have more. Like that's not all music is now. And they came out and put dummies up on stage with pictures of their faces from Backstreet Boys on it and took a wiffle bat ball bat to them and like beat them on stage. Like yeah. that's obviously anger and like intensity that you're bringing to this. Right. And you're throwing it out there into a crowd of mostly white frat Yep. I don't want to use the word frat because I don't know. I don't want to use that generalization because I do know some frat guys like that. But I want to say that this is it's like like white, very testosterone driven guys. Mm-hmm. Like that is is what you're putting this energy out there to. And they in 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 that time there, there was a lot of uh, what's the word? Still is a lot of a uh, what's the word? Where entitlement? Yes. Um, if Sorry, I could do, I you're could, saying groping because there was a lot of that too. Literally, I could do anything I want, um, and and that is, I, I believe that if if I'm correct, I believe like that concert with Limp Bizkit really is what started everybody to be a little crazy. Like we started seeing um, people were, were were driving like vans into the middle of the crowd, kind of thing, and um, that's where we start seeing that 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 there's rapes happening. Yep, which there's only one they talked about in the like actual documentary up until I was at the end like they're like where they showed like where the van pulled in like they had mm-hmm. video of it yeah I saw it um but let, let me for the people who haven't watched it yet, let me paint the picture of what this was it was a three-day only a hundred and fifty dollar ticket cost for three whole days music festival in middle state New York on an old retired Air Force military base mm-hmm. so fully fenced in already but everything is tarmac blazing hot heat yeah. Middle of summer. Temperatures up into possibly the hundreds. As you come in, they decide to take all of their water bottles and any of the things they have to drink from every person coming in. For some reason, decide not to take the ecstasies, the weed, whatever else they're sm- smuggling. Mm-hmm. They take the water. Which, um, and, and I think that's part of the vendor. Like, the vendor required that mm-hmm. because they, you know, price gouging or whatever. But let's... Um, so wrap this up for 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 everybody, and like I know we said this was this was the reason this was a train wreck is by it's for so many reasons, and you honestly get a glimpse of that, like even in the first episode of just like what were they it, like? I feel like they were setting things on fire. It just goes downhill. So like you said, the first day they're all kind of super pumped. The second day you find out that all of the water, like fountains and things, are washing ends up going broken the oh. the porta potties that were supposed to be removed oh, I remember nothing were was backed cleaned. up into the third episode it's all mixed together now and people are just running through mud and literally they, there's this part in the third episode where they talk about they pulled samples of the water set them in overnight to test every single one when you open the door to the people testing them the smell could have knocked you out everything was in, was infected mm. and people were just washing their uh, mouth with it they were running through it they were washing with it it was a horrible place but yes leading into pure anarchy at the end God. pure utter anarchy like there's, there's no other word for it you guys you guys gotta go watch this it, it's it's really like i want to watch one episode and i'm like i kind of want to see how this train wreck progresses so and here's my but. question how did we not know about this? Like you said, you were 17. I was a 90s kid. But I, was I was black. I was like 10-ish, so I probably wasn't like in that prime age to see this. Yeah. But how have we never heard about this? I don't want to say, I mean, and, and I, I don't want to keep bringing this back to race. I really don't. But I was black. Like, well, then how, then how I know. I... Internet was kind of new-ish at the time as well. Like, I think that, and I, I, and I wasn't somebody who watched MTV all the time, even at that yeah, age. Yeah, I get that. Um, I wasn't one of those people. So to me, could I have heard about it? I probably could have and just didn't fucking remember it. 
But that's where, I mean, me, my wife, I've asked people from work, I've asked other friends and things, no one's a part of this. If you say Woodstock, instantly your mind goes to 69. How is Woodstock 99 not being successful, not being like standing for what it wanted to stand for, how is it still not something that comes to mind when you hear that term? I don't know. It's, it's just weird. It is weird. I'm with you. Um, so, yeah, you guys, the other night, on Friday night, we did get the first episode of RuPaul's Super Secret Celebrity Drag Race. I think I added the super. <laughs> All-stars, best yeah. of, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they've changed the format. Like, last okay. year, they would bring in two celebrities yes. an episode. And those two celebrities would learn a routine, get in a drag, come up with a name, perform against each perform and then i think they would either i think they may lip sync against each other maybe not but then they would choose one who was like you know a little better and give you know money to their charity um oh so each night had a winner i believe so okay if i'm correct if i remember correctly this season they have taken they have basically smashed rupaul's drag race normal format with um with that of the mass singer in a way. So, so there's multiple basically, people at once. There's probably eight or nine. I can't oh, remember how many, but okay. I think there's eight or nine celebrities. And the way they're doing it is we don't know who the celebrities are. Mm-hmm. We know, we hear their voices. We know a little bit about them. We know if they're actors or, you know, whatever. And then they have, do they distort the voices at all? No. Okay. Uh, and then they have, uh, drag mothers, Juju B, um, Monet exchange and Brooklyn Heights. Of course. Um, Monet. And they have them there to kind of like, and I guess almost like in a way of voice kind of whatever. So mm-hmm. they like, I think Juju has three of them and then Monet has three of them. And I think Brooklyn Heights has three of them. Okay. Um, and then they let them, I, I think they let them choose their lip sync song. They, you know, obviously put them in, put them in makeup, teach them routines. Gotcha. Um, Jamal Sims is, is, is doing the choreography. I know you know about Jamal Sims. All right. Um, and then they perform um, their routine uh, every or, or perform a routine, and then obviously they have the judges, uh, mm-hmm. Michelle, RuPaul, and this one was Carson. But I think from the previews, I think Carson and uh, Ross are going to switch out like they do normally like normal. on the show. But they won't have like a guest judge, like a fourth normally. Not that they don't. There was no fourth this time, so okay. I would assume not. Um, and then they just do the performance, and then based on the performances, they choose two people to be in the bottom. They choose a winner. Mm-hmm. Two people to be in the bottom per usual. Okay. And then like a drag off like normal where they actually like lip sync. sync. Okay. There's a lip sync for your life. Okay. And then they send, you know, they send one home. And then when they send that person home, then that person reveals who they are. So all of Mass Singer. Yes. Okay. Uh, which is kind of cool. I mean, and there is, I mean, I've, um, I can tell you who I suspect. Um, I, I'm still going to watch it and I'm not going to tell Emily who, who was the first one that got kicked off. Um, the first one I got kicked off. If, if you even know this, if you if you even know who this person's name is, you would have. This person was was like I knew it after three seconds because of the voice, because of the voice, and it, and that's Miss Loretta Devine. Oh, and I love Loretta Devine. Her, I mean, she's just yeah. her voice is just iconic. So if you can actually sing though, do they let you sing the song or is it always lip syncing? Uh, it's always lip syncing. Okay, I think it would have been cool if she could have sang because we all know, and if she if she had wanted to, yeah. But I mean, for those of you who don't know who, who Loretta Devine is, I probably should have said spoiler alert. Sorry. Um, but for those of you who don't, you would have. I known. asked, and I mean, you didn't say no. So I mean, if, if you're gay, you know who Loretta Devine is. I think um, she recently, you know, Grace Anatomy playing playing Richard's uh, wife. Yes. Um, uh, if you want to go back to the early days, she was in the original stage version of Dreamgirls. Um, okay, that's where I remember her from. Like, uh, originally, and, like, yes. Yeah. But I, I know if, the Grey's one. And if you hit mid-90s, she was in Waiting to Excel with Angela Bassett and Layla Rashawn and huh. Whitney Houston. Okay. Uh, which is where I learned of her from that movie. Um, but Loretta Vaughn is, 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 is amazing. Uh, but I, I've decided that I know who a few of them are already. And this is a spoiler because we don't know if it's them, but I've decided I know who some of them are. Oh, give me your give me your top two best guesses. Um, I think AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys. Okay, he's um, getting out there in, in a bunch of stuff now. I know because he was in Dance with Stars a few years ago. Uh huh. Um, I'm pretty sure that Tom I can't remember his last name, but Tom from the original Queer Eye. Oh, the interior design one. Yeah, I think him. See, I want you know him because I've pretty, never seen the original. I'm pretty. Eye. If you've seen the original Corey, you can you can clock him very quickly. Even when when he comes out. I thought the, Tom was the food guy. Ted was the food guy. Ted, okay. Because Ted does chopped. That's right. Okay. Um, 
I think if you know what Tom looks like and he comes out in makeup, I think you're like, got him. Like you knew it. Yeah. Um, I think the other guy, I think one of the guys is Justin from Ugly Betty. And he's that his, he was the Hispanic kid, like the, okay. her, her little brother. Or I've whatever. only seen like two or three episodes of that. So yeah, I won't he's been know. in a few. I don't know his real name. Okay, um, but he's been in a, in a few. I think that he's one of them. And what's really weird about this is like I don't know who any of the women are. Loretta Devine was the only woman. So there are more than one woman on there. Yeah, there's there's, there's there a black is. there's a black woman that I my brain first said Tatiana Ali Ali, but I don't know if it's I don't think it's her. And then there's another woman that's on there. I don't know who she is either. There's like two other ones. I'm like, who are they? And there's another guy who I don't know either. Interesting. But those are the ones that I'm like like looking at it. I'm like, okay, I think I know who those people are. Yeah. And um. The one I think, spoiler alert. Oh, I don't want to tell you one. I'll let that go. Uh, but there were some oh, really yeah. good live performances. I was like, this is actually pretty, pretty key performances on some of these. But I'm intrigued by. It. I think I think it's kind of a fun way to do it. Well, and I never watched the original one, so I I, I was intrigued because I think they showed the preview at the end of All Stars mm-hmm. for this cu- upcoming show, mm-hmm. and it looked really good. Yeah, it's very it's pre- like they production value they they produce. Oh, Ruby throwing that this. money around. They produced it, produced the shit out of it. So I'm actually like, here's the thing about RuPaul's Drag Race. It's like when there's when there's RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm like, there's too much RuPaul's Drag Race. But when there's no RuPaul's Drag Race, I'm like, where's RuPaul's Drag Race? I, I get what you're saying. Which is really obnoxious in a way because but, I'm already, because this is going to be the third, like this will be the third one that I'm watching currently because I'm watching Canada. Okay. I'm watching Down Under. Okay. And they both just, they're both maybe like two or three episodes in and I'm watching Celebrity. I'm like, this is too much. But see, that's the thing is I don't watch all the, I don't watch the Cambodias or the Thailands. I don't watch the so Down Unders. There's no Cambodia, so calm down with that mess. But I don't watch the Down Unders. I don't watch the UK ones. I don't watch, I've only seen All Stars, Regular, and now I'll start watching Celebrity. So I've only you seen should three. You watch UK. UK is a really good one. I want to now after watching All Stars because of the one who came over and was on. Oh, that. the Vivian. Mm-hmm. But when I watched the first the first season of UK, I didn't like her. I found her to be really annoying. She, I, was, I liked, liked her, enjoyed her in suit All Stars. Did she kill in season one? Yeah, she killed her season, but I didn't like her. I was like, I don't like her demeanor or your attitude. And this season, I feel like um, I was like, okay, she's actually more. You know, I had issues with the season to be honest, but with all stars, I, I think the, I think the renter, I think the person that won won correctly, mm-hmm. but I think that the format of how they chose the winner wasn't correct because if you would have really went off that, the person who should have won wouldn't have won. And it's also weird that they gave the first place winner two hundred thousand dollars, and they gave the fifth place winner fifty. Really. Yeah, you watched the offers, right? Oh, because it was four and then five. Okay. Yeah, so it was the top one, two, three, four competed. And number one and, and number five. one won, and then the then the bottom four, five, six, seven, eight competed, and then number five, the the, the winner of that one with fifty thousand dollars. So the first place winner and the fifth place winner are the ones who came who left with money. So either which you I are, find to be very weird. So so if you in so then in your opinion, and I'll I'll just ask this. If you're playing strategically, if you know you're not going to be in the top, whatever, would you have thrown one just to be in the bottom? I mean, obviously you didn't know that was going to happen. I don't happen. think they said. I don't think they told us that they were there was going to yeah. be money for the for the for that second one until like the last episode when they right, before, right they when didn't. they decided. Yeah. So you wouldn't have known. So then at that point, it's kind of like, well, I either have to, I have to, I have to either, if you're not top four, you go, I have to win to even get any money. Mm-hmm. That I was kind of like, I'd be, I'd feel some type of way. If I was being very honest, a little bit, yeah, I'd feel very. I'd be like, so I, I walk away with nothing, and then Raja, who I personally enjoy, mm-hmm. as a fifth place winner, technically gets fifty to like as a retirement gift, though. I mean, I guess that's. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I, not, not taking away from Raja, but I'd, I'd be pissed if I if I was anybody else. If I was Fair if enough. I was a uh, Shay or Trinity or Monet, I'd be like, I don't get anything. Like, can I hold get a ten or, or, or <laughs> a, a like? Can I, I get don't a, know. Can y'all pay for my Uber back? Like, I was what can say I get? The same thing. What can I get? Can I get something? Yo, something? Can I get upgraded first class? Um, I know Shea Coulee's uh, single came out, and I, I, it's cute. Oh, it finally came out. I think it came out like right after. You know, they timed that shit. I know. Um, but that's all I had to say about super secret celebrity. No, Rupa- I need to RuPaul's watch it. Super, super, RuPaul's super extraordinary secret celebrity drag race. <laughs> I think it'll be fun, even though it's like the 14th iteration of, of Drag Race that we're going to watch. Because they, they announced three new globals. But you know what? You still keep coming back and watching it. 
Yeah, I know. Did you hear? Did you hear I said that? Yeah, I'm Mexico, and then two others that I don't remember. <laughs> okay, there's too many countries. <laughs> wow, maybe it's Brazil. I don't know. Brazil. There's like three. There's Mexico. My brain is saying you should know it, but I don't remember because they did France. France just started. Okay. Uh, so right now France is going on as well. Is this all Bravo or whoever put this? Who who puts this on? I don't know, but I know that Rue is only actually hosting three of them, four of them, yeah, three of them. Okay, and that's the the regular version, the UK version, and the Australia version. Okay, but like they've selected, like I believe when they do, I don't remember what country it is, but like Jiggly Caliente is either going to be a judge or she's going to host whatever iteration. Is for her nationality. I'm not sure what her nationality is. That's going to be interesting. And then Nikki Doll, who was on a, a, a version of the American one, is doing the French one because she's French. Oh. So she's hosting the French version. See, okay. <laughs> Rue's taking over the world. Who yeah. run the world? Yeah. Drag queens. I really, the one I keep wanting to watch is I really want to finish Thailand because I didn't finish the first season of Thailand and I loved it because it was production. It was produced very well. Mm-hmm. And I love Pangina Heels. Like, well, and and you show me like a little bit of an episode, the actual quality. And, and, and this is what I think Vivian and like the UK ones, like all the international queens, I feel like their makeup is just like so much better than some of the ones you see in America. It wasn't that great on, on this episode of Thailand. It wasn't oh, it was okay. the best. Yeah, it, yeah. it could be better. Um, but I will agree in, in certain aspects that, that it is a little bit better sometimes. I actually think that Canada is a little less polished than okay. else, but that's just me. Um, all right, you guys. Well, you know what? Stay tuned for this week's review. It's a somber one. <laughs> Thanks for hyping it up. I'm just saying, you know, whatever. Shut up. Welcome back, everybody. Today, as Jay so eloquently put, we're looking at a very somber Apple Plus original, which I feel like that's kind of like their thing. They're either really funny or they're really somber. Um, but Apple Plus original, Blackbird. I'm eloquent. Y'all hear that? Eloquent. Um, Blackbird, let's discuss this tagline. After Jimmy Keene is sentenced to 10 years in a minimum security prison without parole, he cuts a deal with the FBI to enter a maximum security prison for the criminally insane and befriend a suspected serial killer, Larry Hall. Keen's job is to elicit a confection from confection. We're not baking here. Cupcakes, cookies, <laughs> sprinkles. Um, Keen's job is to elicit a confession from Hall in order to slam the door on Hall's appeal and find the buried bodies of as many as 18 women. But is Hall a serial killer or a serial confessor? Let's watch. Oh my god! Um. So yeah, that was a lot. That was actually one of the better, um, synopses because Apple probably forced them to write something much longer. Because all the other ones we've read recently have been really short. Don't try to act like, act like Apple got that power. Apple don't even got the power to send me the correct core to reset my Apple TV when it fucks up. Apple don't even have the power to make a wireless charger that lasts more than eight months. Apple don't even have the power. To send me my corded headphones and my new phones every year. You know what Apple doesn't have the power to do either? Stop you from having tangents. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just listening. I mean, don't just I mean, don't just act like Apple Apple is the end all be all. Like like, like, like they're so perfect. I never said because they ain't. Casting crew. We have Taryn Egerton <laughs> who plays James Jimmy Keen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know who Taryn Egerton is. If you don't, you better learn. Um, he most recently played Elton John in Rocket Man. Did very well on that. I still have yet to see that one. You're crazy. Um, I will say that when I watched Queen, when I watched Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. I came out of that movie like downloading a lot of Queen music. Okay. I don't think I came out of Rocket Man downloading a lot of Elton John music, you know? And I've heard the same thing that like I feel like Queen was much more informative about the band and kind of made people want to know more, where Elton John was just like I don't, no. I don't know if it was like informative. Elton or... John was good. It was the Rocket Man was still good. Yeah, yeah. It, and it just it could be that might not be my type of music. I don't know. Fair enough. Um, 
I, I think Rocket Man gave us a lot of insight into Elton John. I, okay. I, I do think it, it did take a little bit a turn of the fantastical a little bit, uh, which I was okay with in yeah. a way. Where, which is the way I wasn't okay with the Elvis one. The Elvis one just went off the rails, in my opinion. You tell me it was a little weird. Yeah. Um, but he's also from, you know, the Kingsman series. Yup. That's where I know um, him from. That's where I first saw him come on the screen. And I've, I've loved him in almost everything he's been in. That's when he burst onto the screen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what we know. He plays uh, Jimmy Keen. And Jimmy Keen is like an ex football player star from, from Chicago. From Chicago. Um, what else? Tell us more about Jimmy Keen. He is. He never really got an, an actual job. He he very much went into like criminal life, I guess, after yeah. high school. Drug uh, dealing. Yeah, drug dealing. I don't know if he wasn't really a drug mule. He was more of like he would get the kilos of coke and sell the coke. I'm mm-hmm. assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, led the luxurious life. Bought the nice house. Had all the cool art. Super had, super attractive. Yep. You know, nice great suits. body. Ni- yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could have any girl he wanted. Yes. Before. Mm-hmm. You know, even in high school, he was like, he was like, he was like hot shit. Oh, yeah. You know. Um, next, we have Paul Walter Hauser, who plays Larry Hall. Um, Paul Walter Hauser has been in quite a few things, like a few little things. Like, I think, I think most recently he was in Richard Jewell, playing Richard Jewell. Okay. Um, he's been, in, he was, he was in a little bit in Itania. What I remember him most from is from Cobra Kai because he played he played Raymond in Cobra Kai for a couple of seasons. He was like oh. he was like the guy who was older than the high school kids, but he was like I guess he was kind of pictured to be dumb. Like he was kind of dumb. I forgot that was him. Yeah, he looks different. Okay, that's what I remember him from the most. But he's been he's been in quite a few like little spots. But I think his biggest role was Rosen Richard Jewell. Which do you remember that movie? I don't at all. I I know it was about. Like, actually, I just found the synopsis. Security guard Richard Jewell is an instant hero after foiling a bomb attack at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics. Oh, yes. But if they said the whole thing is that he planted them so he could find them. Yeah. 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 So he was he was the lead character in that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Um, so tell us about um, about what's up with Larry Hall. Uh, so Larry Hall is the accused serial killer. But the weird part is... He confesses to all these murders, but then recants his statement or the police or whoever he confesses to thinks he's that they're wasting his time or he's wasting their time and ends up never getting charged for anything and is charged with a serial confessor, which I didn't know was a thing. Mm. But apparently his entire MO before he gets arrested is to feel good or be seen kind of like have importance. He claims to have killed people when he and people don't believe he's ever done it they think he's harmless yeah um and, and i guess what they i guess we, we also understand i think they consider layer hall to be like the town dummy yeah like they think he's you know he's a little slow on the uptake um they you know he loves to do civil war reenactments and stuff like that like i think that's really what people they, they just they just see him as as as, as a dummy he's just he's kind of stupid you know that's what they see him as well, I mean, and, and this isn't really anything, but they, they tell you why. Like, he has a brother, and they say, like, his brother fed on him in the womb. So, like, he didn't have as much development as a child. So mm. he came out a little handicapped. It, I mean, I guess mentally. Yeah. Um, And then we probably have about three other really, um, three other people who are, who are um, big in this. We have Greg Kinnear. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know who Greg Kinnear is. I remember from Friends we? back in the day. He was in As Good as a Guest, Little Miss Sunshine. If we're going back in the day, we're talking about Sabrina. Yep. Um, we I think I'm trying to remember what I remember him from. Um, but he has been in a ton of shit. Uh House of Cards for a season. Um tons of stuff. Uh but he plays Brian Miller. Right. Um who's Brian? Brian is I forget which county because they jumped around to so many counties. It's not Wabash. It's the other Indiana, Illinois county. He's the lead investigator for a county in Indiana. Yes. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Uh, But he is the one who finds one of the girls that wasn't actually buried, and they place the truck and everything to that was seen at the scene of the murder 
to be owned by Larry Hall. So Larry Hall is his go-to like main suspect right. and is the one who kind of brings him in and gets him arrested and kind of cracks open the start of the serial killer case. Cool. Um, and then we'll, we'll skip over one and go directly to uh, Sepeda Malafi. Thank you for saying name. that, Jose. Um, I'm assuming that's how you say your name, who plays Lauren McCauley. Um, or maybe it's Sepeda. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't really know anything much about her. She was she was in the L Word for three seasons. That's mm-hmm. her biggest thing. She was in the Deuce for a couple of seasons, um, and that I would say is her is are her biggest roles. She has a I couple like one small credit. Yeah, I didn't watch any of that stuff, so uh, I'm kind of lost on that. But she plays FBI agent Lauren McCauley. So I believe that when Brian Miller, um, you know, starts cracking his case, he kind of has an in with the FBI and starts talking to Lauren McCauley and they kind of group up together to kind of do it. But Lauren McCauley was also in charge of, you know, putting Jimmy Keene mm-hmm. in prison the first time. I mean, yeah, she was in charge of, of that investigation. I want to say, uh, yes, yeah, she was the one who actually like came into his house and arrested him and asked like, what you get up to last night? Like that was her. So they played her in the show as if she was the one who was part of the bust. Right. Part of the FBI raid. Um, um, on <laughs> but then soon enough um but uh but then her and brian get caught up or like involved with the fbi and him because the whole thing i think was that since larry crossed state lines in multiple places for these murders that federal comes in because it's not local anymore yeah so brian had like a i guess a connection to kind of bring Mm -hmm. in the fbi to be on his side help him out exactly so that the other state didn't take over the case because he found him to be incompetent exactly um and then lastly on our list is um, the late great Ray Liotta. Oh, um, y'all know who Ray Liotta is. We don't. We don't have to go into this, but yes, yeah, y'all know. Y'all know Goodfellas. I mean, come on. Oh, such a good movie. Never seen it. Um, <laughs> it's a good movie. I knew he was in it. Um, he was in Shades of Blue for a couple of seasons. I remember that show. Uh, but, but he plays it. Big Jim Keen. Yeah, you guys get it. Big, he's he's Jimmy Keen's dad. Oh, yeah. that was hard to figure out. Um, he's a he's an ex cop, you know, retired mm-hmm. cop, and that's really, I mean, that that's really what we get from him is that is that he's he's an ex cop, and he um he's he's obviously going through he's going through some health issues d- during the episode or during yeah. the show as well. So I think that's really he's there, but he's not really. I I really think that his role would have been a little bit bigger if he hadn't passed, maybe. Probably, um, but they also play it that his son is like his whole life. So like yeah. he wants to make sure his son, Jimmy is like taken care of and has a good future. Like, right. That's his main concern. Right. But you let your kids sell drugs, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, um, so now that we've gone through like the cast and everything you guys, we can go through, um, spoiler territory. It's a very beautiful day. Let's have a picnic. Everybody go in pairs. Don't go alone. Yeah. We're not going to do this in the dark. Fuck that shit. Nope. Actually, should, I think this should happen in the daytime. Most of the ones I think did. Yeah, so we're we're, we're gonna take a park. To, we're gonna take a a, a picnic together. Mm-hmm. If you go on a walk, go with a buddy. Do not get into your gray vans. <sighs> Avoid the gray vans. Yes. Um. Here we go, you guys. Spoiler territory. Um. So we really kind of they really kind of lean in to letting us know really heavy who Jimmy King is. Yes. Jimmy King's a big shot. He sells drugs. Well, he's 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 a medium sized fish, I'd say. Like he's yeah. big in his atmosphere, but and in his own mind. Inconsequentially, he's a small fry in most aspects. Yeah, but he's 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 got an ego, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. he's 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 like yo yo yo, this is my shit. He's that alpha male. Yeah, but he got a really nice house though. I don't care if he's small fish or not. You'd go home with him. Yeah, I would. I'd be like, can can I can can you? Can you put a ring on this shit? <laughs> I don't want to hear what you're doing in the back room. I don't want to know about any of that. I'm just gonna assume you made I'm just gonna assume you're independently wealthy. I will keep this clean out here. Yeah. You handle that back there. You do your own shit. I don't want to know about anything. I don't want no gunshots. I don't want to hear no beatings. I don't want to hear none of that shit. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we we kind of learn like what kind of guy he is. He can pick up he picks up this, this girl and basically like, I don't know, fucks the shit out of her. I mean, it's literally what the whole point is. Like, he can convince. He's very charming. He's very charismatic. Yeah, gets what he wants. Yeah, has that million dollar smile. Yeah, and that and that body, Adi, Adi. 
Well, and you saw like in the first episode where he's making that smoothie and he's like blending the shit out of it. He's like, he knows what he wants. He's got very particular, like, I know this is how I get this body. I'm going to stick to this. Like he had routines. He had things he had to do. And they describe him later on as like, he has no regrets. He knows what he wants. He's going to go do it. And he's not going to regret what he's going to do. Right. So I think um, after FBI comes in, they really, he is kind of given the advice by his attorney. And his dad. That, yeah. That, hey, you should plead. Mm-hmm. And the DA um, will, you know, make, normally this would be like, you know, five or 10 years. Yeah. Um, if you plead, the, the, um, the DA will, will get this down. You'll be out in like, you know, one or two, five at the most. Yeah, because five um, was like the mid-range. And his dad kept saying, oh. like, go for the mid-range, go for the mid-range. Like, normally this is your first offense. You probably one or two, but the the guy wants to make an example of you're, you. You're a cop's kid. You're a cop's kid. Just plead. You'll get the mid, which is five. Right. And then what happened was he pled, and the DA went full, like, 10 years. Full extension of the law on him in some way for 10 years. Yep. Um. And then that's kind of where we kind of leave with Jimmy. We kind of figure out at the moment he's trying to make a living in jail. You know, he's selling porn. He, bags, he's renting porn renting bags. Porn bags uh, for money. But this is where we start to figure out, you know, this is where, and we'll do this and we'll, and we'll kind of loop back. Um, eventually, Lauren McCauley um, and the DA mm-hmm. approach Jimmy and they say, hey, we know that you're charismatic. We know, you know, what kind of person you are. We know that you don't want to, to sit in here for 10 years. Um, we have a job. You know, we, we would like you to go into this other prison. We'll mm-hmm. move you. Um, and then we want you to try and figure out where the body of this girl is. Um, if you figure out that information and get it back to us, then we will commute your entire sentence. Which is unheard of in my opinion right um and obviously jimmy is very is very skeptical of this because he's like the da is the one who screwed me in the first place so why yep. why would i trust you people to do this so they literally give him a file on on larry and have him read up about it to figure it out push comes to shove he ends up accepting the job and then yeah. he has to move to this other prison basically maximum security maximum security yep. And the only people in in there who know what he's doing is the is the, is the therapist, the psychiatrist, and the warden. Yep. Now we'll pause and we can move on to to, to Larry. So Larry was picked up, like we said, by Brian. Mm-hmm. That lead investigator Brian Miller, please. I'm, yes. kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> um, but no, picked up like that was his main suspect. Went to Wabash, interviewed him. Thought the police there were incompetent partnered with the FBI, got a confession out of Larry, ended up taking him to the maximum security prison where that's how, like, where Larry and mm-hmm. um, Jimmy meet. Yeah. But, as we said earlier, Larry is very, like, he seems, I don't know, like, in his own little world most of the time. Yeah, he, 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 the way he did it was, the reason that Brad Miller thought that the other cops were not he didn't really think they were they were incompetent at, at the time mm-hmm. what what they said was they said he he confessed to something before yeah and then he and then we went through this whole dog and pony show and they end up recanting everything he said and said these were just dreams i was just dreaming and i didn't understand what you were asking me and i'm not sure what your questions are yeah kind of playing up that i'm an idiot i'm dumb mm-hmm. i don't understand what's going on and they were really just kind of like laughing at Brian Miller, like he's going to take you on the same ride. So have fun with that. Um, and that's basically what what happens. But there's also the clerical error. Yes, because he does tend to, he does confess to whatever it was. Uh huh. And then the they were trying so hard to get this confession in front of him and get him to sign it before he started asking for a lawyer or recanted. They, yeah, and they they made a clerical error on the form instead of putting like Lawrence, whatever hall, it was like Lawrence, something like a different last name. So, mm-hmm. so Larry Hall signed this confession um, for a name that was listed. That wasn't his name. Yep. He didn't sign it in cursive. He printed it and they made that as a point of like, he obviously wasn't in sound mind. He was, they kept saying he was coerced, like rushed into right. this. You right. didn't give him a chance to explain. You right. were like, look, you said this, sign it. Right. Exactly that. Um, uh, and, and that's why they were like, when he went for the appeal, they were like, well, then he, he, we're going to decide if he can have his appeal or yeah. no, his appeal is coming. Yep. Um, in, in like a month or two months or however it was. So 
this this put like a a full damper on what Jimmy Keene and Laura McCauley had discussed because she was like, don't approach him too fast. I'll do this. And mm-hmm. now it's like this timeline has been accelerated very quickly. Pick it up. Get it done. Yeah. Do your Ste- job. Pick it up. Steam. Steam engine. Yes. So this is where it really starts to starts to get weird. And and Larry Hall has got this like this this like high pitched voice. That's very accurate. He's like, hey. Sometimes Jimmy, I have dreams that that like um you know I I see women and I don't know. Sometimes it's just really weird. Like he's so it's like this yeah. weird like he's oh very God, childish. Is that really good. It was actually like spot on. That's but it, creepy. It's like childish, like, <laughs> but like his voice never dropped. He never really mm-hmm. aged past like a certain age mentally, right. physically. Mm-hmm. But he's able to grow these great burn sides. Burn sides. That was actually some nice little trivia there. I was I like, like burn sides, really. Um, and then so we, we talked a little bit about about Jimmy's background. Obviously, very lowly, mm-hmm. very very slightly. You know, great athlete, football player, had high hopes, ended up being a drug dealer. Yeah. Um, Larry, what kind of what it's what it seemed like to me was like Larry was kind of like the dumpy twin. Uh-huh. So his his dad, who ran a cemetery in whatever city they were, would, or who dug graves, would make his son would make Larry come out and dig graves with him, ending grave rob. Like yes. that's what that's what he would make him do. Um, he'll if he couldn't get jewelry off something, he'll make he'll make Larry cut the fingers off of off of corpses to get yep. ring like as a child so he was teaching him making him dig graves and grave rob uh-huh. as a young child and make it completely like seem okay to do things to dead bodies right which is weird right um that it didn't matter that there's no debt there's nobody in there it doesn't really matter you're like you know you're burying these people which to his point you know you're burying people with all this stuff like what are they gonna do with it i you know like whatever. he was talking about that one lady who got buried with a he like full like gold replicated cat or something yeah like massive cat doorstopper that was like half the size of her body and i was like okay yeah so so that's where you know i think that you know that gives you a kind of a kind of a a a glimpse into you know what kind of state of mind he's in yeah um so yeah so that's that's where jimmy starts kind of like you know slowly talking to him and kind of you know working his way in because he's charismatic larry's never had really any friends yeah um they they baked they baked on the fact that like hey, Larry's brother Greg Gary Gary was like an athlete and you know whatever like that so they're like you can kind of be this big brother, brother yeah figure to him and he'll maybe start to trust you very much like stand up for him make him aware and feel like you're gonna back him up like people can't mess with him when you're around yeah like you care for him like you see him like mm-hmm. that's really how they really figure that out or that's how he really kind of approaches this in a in a a, a way um but then obviously there's other little pieces that are happening like mr carter so (laughs) this is the one that made me so mad um so as we said jimmy his dad is an Mm ex-cop and jimmy's his whole world and jimmy accepted to go into the maximum security to get rid of his sentence because his dad had a um not a seizure uh, but a, a stroke. A stroke. Yeah. Yeah. That was part of the re- that was the catalyst for making him go yeah. in. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know how much time my dad has. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend ten years here and come out when he's dead. Right. Um. But he didn't tell his dad. And his whole mo is he comes in as not a drugs dealer but an arms dealer. He comes in as not being from Chicago but being from Wisconsin or something. Yeah. Basically, that he has no family. Exactly. But then his dad shows up one day randomly, flashes his badge, and tells him, "It's my kid," and ruins his cover. So one of the guards who kind of like realize what's going on does some research on Jimmy to figure out, oh, you're not this Jimmy. You're the drug dealer, blah, 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 Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And then like threatens to tell everybody you're here to snitch and possibly get him killed unless he can come up with $10,000. Right. So he's basically just trying to take advantage of him and for his own, like not for his own personal gain, because I think that he's being leaned on by somebody else outside the jail. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, this is my way out of my own troubles. So that piece is really kind of ramping up the urgency Mm -hmm. of, of Jimmy trying to get the information that he needs out of Larry. Um, Quickly enough before he gets like a hit or something put out on him in the prison. Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, but during all, all this as well, like we we do see we do see Laura, uh, Lauren, and Brian Miller like really kind of doing a lot of research, trying to figure out. You know, they're really mm-hmm. retracing all of their steps, 
and really trying to say, you know, we're not just going to sit out here and wait for and hope that Jimmy King gives this. We're trying, we're still trying to piece together a case. And they even, they even find some information and they take it to the DA and DA is like, this still isn't enough. Like we, mm-hmm. it, it really isn't. We've still got to, we need whatever Jimmy can find for us. We need that. Like this isn't enough to keep this. Appeal we need a body. Through. Right. Um, so that, that's where, you know, this, we, they end up like, obviously Larry ends up really trusting Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they do a lot of like, I don't want to call it vocal gymnastics because I don't think that's what that is, but it's a lot of like, it really, like you really, you really kind of hear how smart Larry really is. You do. Because he is like, he's like, you know, you ask, you ask a lot of questions and then it's so, so to me, if I don't want to say vocal gymnastics, but it's really like this weird game of like, it's vocal, like a duel. It's like vocal chess yeah. almost, you know, like it, like the conversations are so like, Hey, you ask a lot of questions. And Jimmy's like, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't really know you that well. Don't you ask me questions? And he's like, you just asked me another question. And he's like, yeah. And like, you know, it's like this weird kind of strategic chess game because they're both playing around each other. Yeah. And it's, and and you start to see that Jimmy starts to win him over really, like he really starts to bring Larry in, in his fold. It starts to really understand what's going on. And, you end up seeing Larry kind of trust him and it's opening up and just speaking freely and stuff like that. So that is like how this really progresses in a way. So and let me ask you a question. And this is where we're going into a little bit further in the show. And once Jimmy was supposed to get the um, confession, he was supposed to contact the psychiatrist or the warden. Right. And the psychiatrist gave him his personal phone number. Yes. Just in case. Um, so, if I'm doing the math right, I think this is supposed to take a span over like three years. So, I think from the time he gets arrested in 94 to when he gets hired by the FBI until he gets the confession, he was in prison for like three years of his 10-year sentence, I think. I don't know. I didn't pay attention to that. So, I'm trying to figure out how long he was in there because when you're watching the show, the FBI agent was supposed to be playing his girlfriend and she was supposed to come talk to him and see how he's doing. But she only ever, you see her come once the entire time. So towards the end, when he's starting to get to know uh, Larry and getting the confessions and kind of like figuring out what he needs to know, he, you see Jimmy kind of start struggling to get that line out to figure out like how to talk to people and get them the information. I always wonder, like, well, where was the FBI agent? Why'd she not come back like once a month to check in or something? I, that's what I think they said. It. They said his appeal is happening in a month. Okay. So she only came once. Okay. Um, and then because that also plays to the fact that like the psychiatrist went on, went on vacation. Yeah. Obviously, so maybe he was gone for a week, or I mean, maybe he was gone for two weeks because it was only he had a month. Well, yeah, but I think they got the like map or what, like all that confession in '99. But Jimmy was arrested in '94, so that's why I think it was like three-ish years, like b- total, before he got put into. I don't know. It, uh, the timeline was weird to me. I think that's irrelevant. But that's yeah. I just want to know how long he was in there, uh, because, like you said, they gave him a month to get the information, and it was very expedited. But it seemed like he was still tr- struggling to get a hold of someone like they, they they gave him these lifelines to get out once like like a ripcord to pull once you get this confession but it never seemed like any of them pay, paid off i think it, it, it struggled a little bit i think that the reason was because of the nature of it because you have to you have mr carter spreading rumors about him yeah out, out there as well and then so he's got the guards in his pocket obviously mm-hmm. like saying whatever he can to them so i think that's i think that is the answer to your question of like hey how come none of these lifelines worked is because he's in a he's in a he's in a place that is for criminally insane people okay or deemed insane well yeah or medicated um, whatever yeah right so if he acts out and goes crazy then they're not going to believe anything he says they think he's nuts so that i believe answers your question in, in, in my opinion as like hey, that's my lifeline. My lifelines are here, mm-hmm. but is anybody going to believe me when I say that this is what's going on when I'm shouting and screaming and basically fighting against people? No. Gotcha. As a guard, they're going to throw him in solitary confinement and say, you need to sit here and fucking cool off. I don't care what you're saying. I'm not going to listen to you because you're crazy. Well, and they also, the other psychiatrist who was in like reserve whenever his first Yeah, had one. no idea. Yes, which was a huge issue in like controversy because she was seeing Larry as her main patient. 
right. and had more interest in him than anything mm-hmm. Jimmy had. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a conflict of interest. Right. And I believe they they mentioned they mentioned like, hey, we're gonna speak to her, you know, regardless or whatever. Yeah. Uh, about the situation. Um, I think we can end there. We could we could save some of the bigger spoiled points. Yeah, yeah like definitely if, if you know. Um and I think we can go to Bay of the Week. What do you think? Yeah, let's say Bay of the Week. Are we really gonna struggle with who Bay of the Week is? I don't know. Who do you think it is? Jimmy. I don't think it's Jimmy. <gasps> you don't think it's Jimmy? I think it's Paul Walter Hauser. That, and, that's honestly what I was going to say. And I think, I think that, do I think Taryn Ter- Ter- Egerton did so good? And mm-hmm. I, I will say that the part that really got him for me was really at the end of episode five. Okay. Uh, he had his Timothy Chalamet moment. Call me by your name. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that at the end of episode five, that's really when I when I learned. I think that was really it was episode four, episode five. I think it was episode five when he's crying. Um, and I think that is when you know that they've that Jimmy's really kind of, you know, he's ninety nine percent to to his mission. Like he yeah. really has got like he's got Larry on the hook, and I think he's really realizing like the like this tough guy exterior just crumbles. And I think mm-hmm. that that is a really cool scene. And really great. So I think Taryn Egerton did really good. But I think that Paul Walter Hauser was able to was able to me to inject something where where I know this person is a, is a horrible person, yes. serial killer, whatever. But there were times when I felt sorry for him, one hundred, or I agree. empathized with him, or I was like, wait, what he's saying kind of makes sense. And I empathize with him in a way, but he's a serial killer. So how? Can I have those mixed feelings? Mm-hmm. And then just his facial expressions and the way he was so subtle with with things and the way he would go from like joy to anger to to oh I'm realizing what I'm saying kind of like yes. he, I think he just did like a full masterclass in acting in in my opinion. No, I honestly agree. I was saying Jimmy just because he was the cute hunky guy. And I, I would have loved it, but no, I 100 agree. It was Larry, and you've hit every reason. Like I was gonna say, if you hadn't said, like I felt bad for him. Like, like he, there was points where he, you could tell he was still a small child. He just didn't know. But then there was points where he would come to like real full realization. You're like, no, he does know. Yeah. And you have to get over like that just instant re- like regret of feeling bad for him. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, he's definitely effing with me. Like I, I'm being drawn in mm-hmm. and feeling bad. So that's why you think he's a serial confessor and then let him get away with all these things, mm-hmm. even though he's telling the truth. Every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think Paul Walter Hauser is definitely 100% not, knocked this out of the park. If he doesn't win an Emmy for this, I will not do anything about it. Well, and we mentioned, I, or I mentioned to you earlier, it's like, so once you get watch the whole thing, they show pictures of actually what Jimmy and Larry look like. Larry, the guy who they have play him, looks dead up like him. Like you could, like, it was maybe like five pounds heavier. I don't think they look that alike. I think you're just. I think you're focusing on the burn size. Well, they cover most of his face, but no, they look very similar. Like my burn size. <laughs> Some people think it's where they call them sideburns, but I thought it was weird that she knew that they were burn sides. I thought that was kind of fun. I need to stop that. That's creeping me out. The fact that you can do that so well is weird. Uh, ugh. Um. So I think we can go into watch or not. Okay. Um. Short and sweet. Watch it, you guys. It's it's six episodes. It's it's a really good, tight six. Mm-hmm. Like Disney, this is how you do six episodes. One hundred percent. This is how you do it. Yeah, that's all I have to say. I agree. One hundred percent. Watch it. It was worth the first two episodes. Get you hooked. The second two mellow you out a little bit to get ramped up into the ending for the last two. It's perfectly paced. Acting was amazing. It's one of Apple's best knocked out of the parks single seasons it's it's something they're good at yeah 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 i agree you guys um well that was like short and quick i liked it i love that um thanks for tuning in again as a reminder in a couple weeks we will be debuting watch or not the painted table um which will be our weekly recap of house of dragon season one i cannot wait I'm getting so excited. I'm, I still am. I still am cautiously optimistic, but I'm really excited about it. Every time I see a new ad for it or like a reminder it's coming out, I start salivating a little bit because I just want it now. I'm trying to. I'm trying to um, 
to um, refrain from seeing anything. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'll see it when it comes out. So, Randomly when I put YouTube videos on, they come on as like the preview before and I have <laughs> to wait to hit skip. So that starts, this will drop on Monday. Mm-hmm. So that, that starts the, the following the week. Sunday, that Sunday. The 20th. Yeah. God, I'm so excited. Um, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. You've been listening to Watch or Not with Jay and MJ. Interact and give us suggestions on what to watch at watchornotpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watchornot underscore pod. And don't forget about Instagram, you guys, at watchornotpod. Don't forget you can support the pod by joining our Patreon at watchornot with Jay and MJ. And subscribe and leave a review wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Talk to you soon. Thank you.